That, that's why we're here to do. We're here to get lost in the movie. In the movies. Mm, in the movies. Like when you're trying to walk around and you brought in like five mini bottles of like Havana Club rum. And then you're just trying to make your way out of the movie theater. Oh, and then like you get stuck inside the valleys of seats. Yes. Like you're in a like you're in a megaplex and then you accidentally stumble into another movie. Ooh. Free movie. Oh, it's not free. Although there was this there's this one AMC theater in uh Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I went there to go see Deadpool 2, like right when I moved up here, because I hadn't seen it yet and uh, my girlfriend was gone for the weekend, so I like didn't have any friends at the time. So I was like, okay, fine. I guess I'll go see Deadpool 2 by myself. So I bought my ticket online because I had like a gift card. And when I went there, I tried to show them my online ticket. And they were like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And I went, oh, okay. Wait, what? Right. So I took that like any other human being would. And as soon as Deadpool 2 was over, I was like, well, I've got nothing to do still. And so I just went into another movie and they didn't care or stop me. They watched me do it. Well, damn. Yeah. And I, I felt bad slash like didn't care for the movie that I walked into after that. It was Hotel Transylvania 3. Oh, wow. So not a movie. Right. Well, okay. So my only options at that point to walk into were Hotel Transylvania 3 or Skyscraper with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I think I chose right. (laughs) Did you? Like, uh, people give that movie a real fucking hard time, but I don't really get why. Um, I mean, I think we're past the era of the dumb action movie. I just don't think it's a thing people want anymore. Well, I mean, they keep making freaking uh, Fast and Furious movies. Oh, that's different. That has, like, a follow... Like, it's it's a giant following. Like, I almost want to call it a cult following, but it's not. It's just a giant following. It's just like, like people who've been there from the beginning and now cannot get an erection without watching a movie with a bunch of cars in it. Correct. Or it's just like, you know, it's like a half and half the population thing. Like, half the population fucking loves Fast and Furious, gets a giant heart on, like you said, and the other half could not care less. It's It's a very, like, either or. Like, you either like them or you don't like them. It's kind of like a Game of Thrones, where uh, it's insanely popular, but like some people don't watch it slash don't care for it. Um, as far as Fast and Furious goes, I'm okay with them. I don't have to see them like day one. Like they're not like my favorite thing ever, but I don't mind them. They're dumb action movies. And Game of Thrones, like I've tried. I'm just I'm super not into it. Huh. Okay. I mean, you're and allowed I, to not be into it. I'm not really into it. it. And it's like, I'm not even saying that to be like, ugh, like if you've never even seen one episode of Game of Thrones. I'm not that person. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I watched like the first season and I was like, yeah, that was okay. I think that people who are really against watching Game of Thrones are either like Christian moms who like really can't bear the thought of seeing like gratuitous sex and violence on like television and people who are for sure going to get a raging boner watching someone bang their sister um yeah and it's also just people that don't have hbo that's also part of it so they're just angry because they don't have hbo right and i mean i've had hbo in the past and i'm like why do i have this it's 15 dollars a month i don't like half the shit on here like, most of it's, like, good, but you know that thing that you do when you get on your streaming service and then you just, 
scroll and don't actually watch anything. Yeah. I hate that shit. And then I do that when I get on HBO and I'm reminded every time that I'm not watching anything on it. Like, I think the only thing I watched consistently on there was last week tonight. And even that, like, I'm like, I, they put this up for free on YouTube at some point. So you know what? Fuck it. Huh. An HBO production that ended up free on YouTube. Well, like, okay, so they don't put the whole show on there. They put an edited version of the main segment of the show, which is usually, like, like at least 80% of the show. Okay, I, I see what they're doing there. So they're basically just trying to bait people who are watching free content online into buying paid content through HBO Go. Correct, and it's just $15, man. 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. But, um... That was a reference to Jay and Silent Bob, John. I know you're lost. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, You haven't seen lots of movies. That's why we do this. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Infilmation with Zach and John. John, um, I'm not a big turkey eater, so I need you to explain to me some things I've been seeing around the internets as of late. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and summon all of my turkey knowledge that I've got. Uh, They have feathers. They're pretty fucking big. Um, They are really big. Like, you don't. You don't think about how big they actually are. Uh, they have really good eyesight. Benjamin Franklin wanted them to be our national bird. What's up with that, by the way? Because, okay, have you seen a bald eagle, like, IRL? I was actually up in Seattle, Washington on a business trip recently, and I saw a bald eagle in person. Dude, I saw my first bald eagle, like, literally two days ago. Really? I've never seen one in real life, but apparently they're all over Pennsylvania. And I don't know why, like, but I saw it. I was outside of the warehouse I work at having my nice little smoke break. And then a bald eagle just flies by and it's majestic. And I remember why it's the symbol of America. And then it took a giant shit in the middle of the road. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is also America. Oh, wait, did it land and take a shit or did it just dive bomb the shit onto the road? <laughs> it's just it was flying up and then it flew down a little bit. And that's how I saw it at first. And then just, Hmm. just on the ground. And I was like, oh, okay, this is uh, fine. They're drawn to the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. That's why they're there. Oh, okay. They're the ones that cracked it. Anyway, um, so John, turkeys. Yeah. So I saw this absolutely fucking disgusting ass video today. Okay, so... I have to say, this is probably more heinous than a turducken. All right, I'm interested. Okay, so you know how you buy the turkey, it's gutted or whatever from the inside out, so that way you can put the stuffing in there. Oh, right, they just kind of leave the giblets inside. Right, okay, so these fucking monsters, these horrible ass people, so they start putting potatoes inside the turkey and it looks weird like when you're stuffing a turkey it looks real fucking weird in Uh the first place so they're putting potatoes in there and i'm like okay potatoes i guess i guess that makes sense you know flavoring or whatever you get like all the turkey flavor in the potato yeah i don't eat i don't eat a lot of meat so i don't really get it but i i could see why that would be a thing 
Right. And then, you know, they're like putting potatoes around it, putting all the vegetables around it, you know, buttering it up. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. So this is a turkey. And then this happens. Uh, can I take a couple guesses to what else they put in the turkey? Is that what's where this is going? I will give you three guesses. All right, one. Uh, fetal pig. Um, no. Um, grandma's delicates. Grandma's delicates. Um, wild, tasty, and for some reason spicy. No. Um, gravel. Gravel. <laughs> like hot gravel? Is Tom Waits eating this turkey? Um, no, I was just thinking, like, driveway gravel? Driveway gravel? Like, loose gravel? Like, just, like, the little rocks or whatever? Oh, can I get a bonus answer? Uh, sure, go ahead. Grandpa's ashes. Oh, man, um, well, no. It's even worse than that. How is that? But more haunted. It has to be more haunted. So, I watched them take a perfectly good giant block of cheddar cheese and stuff it inside of this turkey. Okay. Okay. So, and it looks like I, I encourage you and any listener to go look up what I'm talking about. Just look up fucking cheddar turkey and I'm sure it'll come up because it's been making the rounds. It looks so wrong. Like they literally have to stuff it in there. Like, cause the, the turkey has like a pretty like roundish hole and then they're putting a giant block of cheese into that round hole, and it looks fucking painful. Like, I'm glad the turkey's dead, because th- this would hurt like a bitch. This is like the definition of square peg round hole. Correct. And so then they cook it, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I was fine with it. I was like, I don't really know what this is going to do or what you think you're going to accomplish with this, but all right. So then they, like, open up the turkey after it's done, and cheese just comes spilling out of the turkey just cheese everywhere and like i guess the potatoes get in the cheese and then you eat the turkey potato cheese but like it's entirely too much cheese like you're basically having like fondue cooking inside of a turkey and i just i feel like that's disrespectful as fuck i mean it could have been worse they could have put like a bunch of doritos in there um, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. That was the other thing. They put Doritos Sorry. and a block of cheddar cheese in there? No, worse. I forgot about it, too. Because the block of cheese threw me off. They put fucking Flaming Hot Cheeto dust All right, on it. all right, no. Th- this has crossed <laughs> lines now. This is like the down by 311 of Thanksgiving turkeys. Like, it's just, like, like I agree with the Native American tradition of, like, respecting the food that you have killed, respecting every part of the animal. This is straight up disrespectful. You deserve to be haunted by this fucking turkey. So if Chester Cheeto himself were to have a Thanksgiving turkey, do you think that it would be this extreme? You know what? If Chester Cheetah had a Thanksgiving, I would almost be able to forgive this. I'd be like, you know what? He's a cartoon character. I expect this. However, from a living human person... That goes about their day, I assume, pretty normally. Like, goes to work, goes to the gym, does whatever normal people do. But then goes home and makes this video. And it's a professionally made, like, BuzzFeed-style video. And I don't know why the fuck 
you would do this. I'm just like imagining in my head, like first off, how suave Ch- Chester Cheeto is, and like how that would sound like if they made like a commercial for it. You know how they always do like the ads for the new Cheetos, and they've got Chester Cheeto wearing sneakers and nothing else because that's what he does, I guess. And he's like, <laughs> "Come on, try our new purple flaming hot Cheetos." Like that whole thing. I'm just imagining how this works out for this turkey. So he's like. This Thanksgiving, make sure you try out our new turkey flavored flaming hot cheetos. It's like Willy Wonka the chocolate factory where he has the gum that's an entire Thanksgiving dinner, except it's a fucking Cheeto bag that's a whole Thanksgiving dinner. Hey man, um, I'm actually gonna be alone on Thanksgiving, so an entire bag of Cheetos might just be my Thanksgiving dinner. What about a handle of Jameson to go with it? You know what? That's probably what I'll do. We have spent way too long on this. Hi, everybody. Welcome to For Your Information with Zach and John. I'm Zach. And I am John, not Chester Cheeto. Not Chester Cheeto. What the intro would have probably made you believe. John, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know. I It's a Thanksgiving tradition of mine to um, not be in the right place at the right time. That's okay, because to me, Thanksgiving is the most useless holiday. Interesting. You don't get anything, especially if you're me and you're not a big meat eater. Like, Thanksgiving is not a big deal at all. First off, green bean casserole is from God himself. But I don't like green beans, though. (sighs) You just, uh, how do you live? Who are you? I, dude, look, you've seen me. I, I live off fucking Doritos and salad. Like, that's it. <sighs> Doritos, salad, nicotine, and caffeine. Like, if I had those things for the rest of my life, I'd be fucking set. It'd be a short life, but... You just pick, like, a salad with the base being, instead of lettuce, just Doritos? Um, that is called Dorchos, and you will not disrespect Dorchos. What the fuck is a Dorcho? Don't, we don't need to talk about this again. We absolutely do not need to do that. Okay, so you don't like Thanksgiving. You think it's dumb because you hate all things not commercialized, like Cheetos, which are highly commercialized. Um, And then I think Thanksgiving is a good holiday. I'm just never there for it because I live across the country from everybody that I know that isn't my actual wife. Right. And you, as a matter of fact, yeah, I think even since we were kids, like you were never around for Thanksgiving, like, or, or especially since like we became adults and moved out of our hometown. Yeah, it's mostly been since then. Like in high school, you know, go to the grandparents' house, they're out of town, okay, fine, whatever. We're not at our house house, like where, you know, me and my parents live. But like, now, I I just can't get back, not that often, you know. I either have to pick, it's gonna be Christmas, or it's gonna be Thanksgiving, picking Christmas every time. Oh yeah, because why wouldn't you? Christmas, you get stuff. Have you ever tried to fly across country with a suitcase full of new opened gifts? Dude, get a big box and mail it to yourself. That's what I do. I have done that before. The problem is that, like, my family... We don't need to talk about this. We're not even to Christmas yet. We're doing that thing where we just skip all of November. Dude, because fuck November. Like, who cares? Like, literally, I have my Christmas playlist ready to go as soon as Santa Claus goes across 34th Street on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. As soon as that happens, it's Christmas. It's no longer Thanksgiving. I don't have to fucking think about it. I hate my family anyway. I hate meat, so I don't care. Oh, oh, let's get into this goddamn movie. Okay, so... I was scouring my brain for fucking Thanksgiving movies that weren't this movie. 
And I had a very hard time. Uh, this week we're going to be doing the John Candy and Steve Martin classic, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Which is an interesting title, I guess. It's just listing off different ways of getting around, like a horse, uh, your mom's minivan, um, <laughs> your own minivan, um, um, a, a UFO ride. A rascal scooter. What do you say rascals? Do you mean that like thing you can buy at Walmart where it's like got like a unicorn horn on it? No, I'm talking about like it is at Walmart, but it's like the little uh, scooters that had the basket on the front of them. Oh, yeah, that would work too. Hell yeah. I mean, you you won't get very far. So this whole movie is really just like a whole cautionary tale of why you should never go to the Midwest. Um, This whole movie is a exercise in... What happens when you let John Candy into your life? All right. Uh, all I got to say is, I want candy. <laughs> yeah, I want candy. Do, 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 do. Which version of that song do you prefer, by the way? Do you prefer the original 1980s version? Or do you prefer the Aaron Carter version? Oh, God. The, uh, don't ask me things about Aaron Carter. I don't <laughs> like thinking about it. I don't like thinking about him. It's just... <laughs> I. He's the I'm new Macaulay Culkin. I completely missed out on that. Like, he was never a part of my life. So when people reminisce on it, I'm like, who the fuck? What is that? I what about know. Jesse McCartney? Do you remember Jesse McCartney? Uh, no. He was on that one episode of Sweet Life and Zack and Cody, man. That narrows it down. But <laughs> <laughs> another thing I didn't watch. You did watch Sweet Life and Zack and Cody? What the fuck is wrong with you? We're off base again. This just keeps happening. <laughs> we are off base, but so is this holiday. And so oh. is this movie. All right, Zach. If that's what's got to be, that's what it's going to be. Um, so trains, planes, automobiles. Um, also known as how many times can we almost run over Steve Martin with a car? How many times can this almost happen in one movie? I counted. It hap- It almost happened 13 times. Ugh. Like, just e- either run him over or don't. Yeah, I, you can only cheat death so many times before it becomes offensive to people who didn't cheat death. Right, like, you can't, like, death is eventually just, you're going to be on death's most wanted list. Ooh, yes, and that's a good list to be on. And, and it's just like, even if you cough the wrong way, he's going to show up. Hey, man, uh... It just happens sometimes. Uh, sudden death before the age of, what, 50? I, I don't know. There's, like, a thing with that where it's just, like, its own medical condition. It's like, do you have a family history of adult death before age 50? I'm like, um, why? <laughs> um, it, it, it's just random to people sometimes just die between the ages of, like, what would you consider adult early death? Like, anywhere from, like, 30 to 50? I'm gonna go ahead and roll it back to 18. Oh, okay. I, I figured that would still be considered, like, young adult death. It is, but I mean, like, legally speaking, because I guess it's an insurance thing. Again, with the not movie we're talking about right now. <laughs> so, this movie was released November 25th, 1987. Uh, produced by Paramount Pictures and directed by John Hughes. Also produced by John Hughes. And written by John Hughes. John Hughes is a special kind of auteur. Like, I, I feel like he's not... Up, he's not like considered an auteur in the way like we consider like a like a Spielberg or a Quentin Tarantino. But John Hughes did a lot of shit. Like he like he wrote his own shit. He directed it. He produced it in like almost pretty much every movie he made. Huh. So I mean, by definition, I guess that does kind of make him an auteur. 
Yeah, and like, I guess because his movies aren't like, you know, fancy schmancy or something like that. But I mean, the the man did work. The man worked all the way up until his uh, unfortunate death, like I think at the beginning of the 2000s? I don't know. Okay. It was um, the beginning of the 2000s. I don't really remember what year it was. I was going to say, I'm going to pass this one off because <laughs> okay. I got nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, listeners, go look it up. You got a phone. That's um, true. Um, music by Ira Newborn. Um, this guy actually worked a lot with John Hughes, turns out. Uh, worked on Weird Science in 1985. Worked on Ferris Bueller's Day Off in 1986. Can I, like, make an unpopular statement real quick? Uh, sure, depending on what it is. Okay. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is an overrated movie. Why do you think it's overrated? I watched it, and it was one of the few movies that I've seen in the past few years where I was like, when is this over? How much longer is in this movie? What? It just wasn't entertaining, and it made me feel bad at the end, and I'm like, that wasn't fun. That wasn't even, like, sad or engaging. That was just like... I watched kids be bored when they didn't go to school. And I was like, wow, I could have just been bored on my own. <laughs> like, what, why, why does this, why does it exist? I don't understand. Like, what, what is that? I, I mean, I found, I've always found Ferris Bueller, like, entertaining. I do think it's a little, like, overplayed and a little, like, overdone at this point. Uh-huh. But I mean, like, you know, you've got young Matthew Broderick in there. I mean, like, you know... He steals the show. Like, I mean, he's a pretty recognizable character, like, in that outfit. I think when you say someone steals a show, that is directly, like, scaled against what kind of show it is. Like, I can say, like, yes, I am a burglar. But if I just run into my neighbor's yard and steal, like, a lawn flamingo, like, yeah, I guess you're a burglar. But, like, are you? Like, if you steal the show in a movie that sucks, like, yeah, I guess you stole the show. Whatever that means. Hot takes. Hot takes from John this episode. It's not me. You know what? The title of this episode, John Hates Ferris Bueller's Day Off. John Hates Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so we do another John Hughes movie. Right. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the score in Ferris Bueller is actually not bad. It's very appropriately 80s. I um, thought the same thing about this until I listened to more than a few minutes of the score for this movie. It's awful. It's it's bad. This is something that I also didn't like about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where I was like, it's just, uh, it's, it's like shag carpet and like the MTV logo from like, I don't know, the late 80s. And it's like, oh yeah, this is like a weird cross section of time. And like, it was important back then. I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> what? Why? Um, It's... It's just so cheesily, sentimentally 80s. Like, almost like they wanted it to sound like every part of this movie was a print song. Yeah, I get that. Because, like, movies like Top Gun do that and it's fine. Top Gun was okay. Right. And, like, I think the thing that really makes the score stand out, especially in, like, a year... Like, we're 30 years removed from this movie. 32 years removed from this movie. I think what really does it in is that if the movie almost feels timeless in some ways, other than like, you know, it's obviously set in the eighties and like, like you can tell because they don't have cell phones and like how everything's working in the movie. Yeah. But the soundtrack just sticks out like a sore thumb. Like it's like, Oh, this is very, very late eighties. This is like the gremlin soundtrack, but it's not Christmas yet. So it's like premature. Right. And it's, 
it's just so sickeningly sweet. Like it, like it tastes like cough medicine that they try to make taste like you know grape or cherry, but it's just like like that kind of sweet that almost like is savory. Yeah, I think I would have rather had some kind of like other '80s thing. Like it doesn't have to be like the weird like. Uh, I'm not even gonna call it soundscapey, but you know, like synth pop kind of background instrumental stuff. I would have rather right. had like a striper tank, witchfinder general, uh, you know, like that type of thing would have been pretty sweet. Right, and I think the biggest thing is that it sounds like stock music. Like it doesn't sound like a score to a movie. Like there's ways to do a rock score to a movie or do a synth score to a movie. This is not it. No, no, absolutely not. And actually, uh, Leonard Malton originally gave this movie three stars, and he said uh, the thing that was holding it back, or one of the things holding it back from being a great movie is this abysmal soundtrack. I believe it. So even in 87, Leonard Malton was like, yeah, no, fuck this soundtrack. And But later on in his uh, book of movies you should see, uh, he changed it to a four, but still said he would switch that soundtrack out for pretty much anything. Yeah, it's almost like I'd rather put closed captioning on and just play something else in the room. Right. It's. I wonder, mate, does it hook up to uh, Dark Side of the Moon like The Wizard of Oz? Oh, and Paul Blart Mall Cop, uh, also known as Blart Side of the Mall. I, I had it's a, no it's a idea. Thing. Look it up. It's a thing. I, I, I will not. I refuse because A... I think Paul Blart Mall Cop is a horrible movie, and I won't watch it for any reason. It has a better soundtrack than this. Uh, if you say so, but I also, if I'm going to listen to Pink Floyd, I'm not listening to Dark Side of the Moon. I'm listening to Wish You Were Here, and that is it. <sighs> Alright. Uh, uh, yes, but, like, uh, Blart Side of the Mall. I... We have to move on. Okay, I, I, this is an atrocity. What you're talking to me about right now? <laughs> Go look it up, people. Look it up, listeners. The world needs to know. I, I, I think you. I, hopefully, you'll have it finished by the time that this comes out because I think you made it up. I guarantee you, I did not. We're moving on. Budget thirty million dollars. Um, that's a pretty average budget for this time period, I'd say. Yeah, it's you know, it's not half a billion dollars like Avengers Endgame, but it's not like, you know, The Room. <laughs> yeah, or like, um, I don't know, Night of the Living Dead. Right, which, by the way, you'll have to come out and visit me. Um, We live really close to where they shot that. Ooh. Yeah, I, I wanted to go for Halloween, but I couldn't make it out. I'll do it next year, though. I want to see pics. You want to see pics when I go? Yes. Pics or it didn't happen. Exactly. Ooh, bringing that back. Yeah. Um, and uh, it brought in a gross of forty nine point six million. So um, it turned a profit. It turned a pretty good profit. Uh, in the film industry, that would be still be considered like barely making it because w- when you're looking at that budget, that's not including advertising. So they probably came out about even. Do you think they spent nineteen point six million just on ads? Do you know how much advertising costs? But no, I do, because that's literally what's driving our economy right now, and it sucks. But, like, it's... Uh, that's The movie's only worth $30 million. Right. But, you know, and that gross is just box office sales. It's not including home movies, or home movies. Jesus. It's not including uh, home video sales. It's not including uh, the licensing rights when they play it on TNT or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, 
we'll get into we'll get into some of that like the uh, the TV versions of this movie as we go through. But um, let's talk about this cast. Yes. So uh, really, there's only two characters that are leading roles. Uh, that being Steve Martin who plays Neil Page, um, famous for many, many things. He's actually got, like, a banjo career as well? Uh, yes, Steve Martin, the uh, multi-talented Steve Martin, who also does movies like this and uh, Cheaper by the Dozen for some reason. Ah, Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh, didn't that also have, like, Hilary Duff in it or something? Yeah, it had Hilary Duff and... Uh, the guy and the, Smallville. The guy from Smallville. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I forgot about that. Cheaper by the Dozen is a better movie than this. Yeah. You really think that? Nah, okay, no, I don't. You got me. Okay. Um, I was going to say, maybe Cheaper by the Dozen 1, but definitely not Cheaper by the Dozen 2. They should have called it Cheaper by the, the 24 pack of Natty Daddies. I don't know, 24 something? Two dozen? They should have just called it the Baker's Dozen. Oh, ah, dude, that's... Yes. Why do you not work for, like, Paramount? Mainly because I don't have a degree, and secondly... They would probably shoot that title down because let's face it, this is that's kind of like a lowest common denominator type movie. That's who's gonna go see it. They are not going to realize that that is in reference to Cheaper by the Dozen. So it has to be Cheaper by the Dozen too. You could just call it Cheaper by the Dozen Two: Colon The Baker's Dozen. But then I feel like it negates the purpose of doing it. Anyway, we have to have to center around them having another kid somehow to make thirteen. Don't they have another kid to make 13? I can't I remember. Know. That movie came out in what, 2004? And Steve Martin made this in 1987. It's like. And he, he looks the he's same. Exactly the same. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. He's looked 40 to 50 years old since he was on SNL. That's literally how I'm going to be, though. Like, I'm going to look the way that I look right now until I'm like 33, and then I'm going to look 60 until I'm 80. And then when you're 80, somehow you'll look 70. Yes, that's just how that works. And then I go and do the whole 2001 Space Odyssey thing where I become Space Fetus. <laughs> space Fetus. It's God! Speaking of God, John Candy's in this movie. Ah, uh, yes, what else can I say? But I want some motherfucking candy. <laughs> oh, oh mm. getting spicy in here for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John Candy is known for uh, many movies, uh, most notably Spaceballs, uh, Nothing But Trouble, which is a movie I've never seen. Yeah, I want to see that one, too. I really do. Yeah, and uh, Uncle Buck, of course, uh, Cool Landings, uh, whatever the Jamaican bobsled movie is. I don't remember what it is right now. Uh, How many could there possibly be? There's only one. But I, I've seen that one, so I, but I don't remember the title right now. What point in your life were you at where you're like, you know what? Cool landings. That's what I'm watching today. Um, I actually don't think that's the name of the movie. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, uh, Kevin Bacon is the taxi racer. Um, it's a cameo? Yeah, it's a small cameo. So, uh, to move into the critical reception of this movie, I think it's important to point out that this movie has stood up Pretty well over time. Uh, IMDb score 7.6 out of 10, and a Rotten Tomato score of 93%. That's pretty high. That's like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Dracula, like, uh, that's really high up there. Yeah, this is uh, widely considered, like, one of the better, like, holiday movies. Hmm. And it's also, like, archetypal. Like, uh, you see this movie, this is kind of like the modern buddy picture, like the modern Abbott and Costello kind of thing. Uh-huh. 
that you would see later in like Tommy Boy, most notably. Like Another this one movie. That I haven't seen. You haven't seen Tommy no, Boy? I haven't seen Tommy Boy. I know he makes some like joke. It's like something about piss. I don't know. Like, what is the thing? There's like a tag from that movie that like is famous. Um, there's lots. Schnikes. Yeah, that's um, the one. Schnikes. For whatever reason, I just associate Schnikes as like. I'm gonna go make a Schnikes over here, and it's like you pee in a Nike, and that's a Schnike. Um, wouldn't that be shitting in a Schnike? Uh, we have to move on. Yeah, no, that, that, that's definitely it. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, some interesting film history things about this movie. Uh, John, a three-hour and forty-minute version of this film exists. So. <sighs> I'm going to go ahead and say the exchange rate between Ferris Bueller's Day Off and this movie is like 1.3 minutes of this movie is equal to a minute of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Correct. Um, so that's the equivalent of having like a two hour, 15 minute Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Correct. Which I would much rather watch. I would, I would rather just drink a pint of gasoline. It, it It's... um. It's amazing how much you hate Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Anyway, so three hours and 40 minutes of film equates to about 600,000 feet of film that was filmed for this movie. So what do you do with 600,000 feet of film? Well, uh, first of all, you lock it up in the Paramount vaults so that no one can get to it for some reason. Uh, they, They edited it two, three hours and 40 minutes, and then the studio was like, we are not releasing a three-hour and forty-minute comedy. Like, there's no way we're doing it, doing that. So that version, like, never really saw the light of day. Like, it wasn't ever screened or anything. Uh, they edited it down to two hours, and then they said that was still too much. So they took it down an hour and a half for the final theatrical cut. Um, the two-hour was printed, but it's actually lost. Like, the huh. two-hour version of this movie does not exist anymore interesting of all the things to not exist anymore this is the one that doesn't exist yes the two hour version of this movie does not exist but somewhere in the paramount vaults there is a three hour and 40 minute version of this movie so what happens here because clearly paramount has this figured out like they know how to store film they have records of this type of thing they just keep it around because they've just invested money in it so like why not keep it but like does someone just like fuck this away and like lose the two hour version there's lots of things that could happen like maybe they only had one or two copies um maybe whoever had one of like the screening copies didn't return it um maybe the only other copy they had probably burned because that also happened a lot with uh film reels sometimes they would just burn up if they were not um if they were not threaded correctly burn up like catch fire and burn yeah because uh the way that a film projector worked still today but back then especially there's just like a big light in the middle of it and uh sometimes that would bust and it would catch the film reel on fire and you would lose like pretty much like a three or four hundred dollar investment and then also the film projector might not work after that huh that's uh pretty shitty also a movie theater sounds like the worst place to have a fire oh yeah for sure well i mean it's got exits at either side of the theater Uh, they always let you know that this is 1987 we're talking about um, I believe even in 1980, I mean, fire codes were still a thing in 1987. I mean, I guess, but like, you think so? You think it was the same? Um, maybe not exactly the same, because the 80s were a different time. Uh, crack was a big deal. Yeah, um, so someone just lighting up a crack rock in the back of the movie theater, sets the rug on fire, 
Um, Sets the whole projection on fire. Yeah, it's it's terrible. We're we're getting off base again, just talking about smoking crack in a movie theater. Um, You can also base snort crack. Anyway, um... You're going to free base crack in a movie theater. (laughs) Yeah, of course I am. It doesn't make a smell, unless it's in my nose. Then it does make a smell. Anyway, um... uh, due to all this extra footage they actually ended up using most of it for the trailer so when you watch the trailer of the movie a lot of the scenes in it not in the movie that's like that scene where john candy smokes crack in the back of a movie theater (laughs) that's where i got the idea that's why i want to do it john candy did it i'm doing it Uh, you know what (laughs) it's good enough for candy it's good enough for me exactly um this also resulted in a scene on the airplane that only plays on the televised version of the film uh it involves steve martin trying to eat his in-flight meal only to have his dessert be covered by the person sitting in front of him's hair and then john candy eats steve martin's dessert oh right um and that's in a literal sense that's not like a figurative thing um, no, he's definitely not eating Steve Martin's ass on the Telflex version. Maybe on the two-hour version that was in there. So, do, when are they going to release Transplants and Automobiles Unrated? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I want to see this stuff. I want to see John Candy eat ass. I want to see John Candy smoke crack in the back of a movie theater. I want to see um, all this extra, like, conquer, not conquer, um... What is it? Conquer's Bad Fur Day? Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I, I want to see Conquer's Bad Fur Day, but it's just John Cassie's doing random shit. I I can't say I want to not see this movie. Um, a movie it, exclusively where John Candy eats Steve Martin's ass and smokes crack in a movie theater <laughs> sounds meta as fuck. We are going to get such a big cease and desist letter from fucking Steve Martin. (laughs) Do not talk about my ass like that. (laughs) Please do not talk about my friend, John. And please do not talk about him eating my ass. It it upsets me greatly. Here's a signed banjo. Um, Speaking of both of our leads, uh, Hughes actually did not want either of these guys for the lead at first. Of course he didn't. No, he wanted Tom Hanks to play Neil and John Travolta to play Dell. All right, so was... now we're getting more into that, like, I could more believably see John Travolta eating Tom Hanks' ass in the three-hour version. <laughs> no, still can't see it, but it's more believable, I guess. Think about it. I, I don't want to, and that's why we're moving don't think on. about it. Um, Tom Hanks couldn't do it because he was filming uh, Big at the time. And John Travolta was uh, being John Travolta in the 80s. Uh, he was what was known as box office poison um, after he starred in Staying Alive, Two of a Kind, and Perfect, which were all giant box office doo-doos. Like, um, Staying Alive being probably the most known offender. Like, these other two movies have kind of been lost to time, but Staying Alive is a horrible, horrible sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Oh, and God, I, we need to watch those. We need to watch uh, Night at the Roxbury. Uh, no, you can watch the Saturday Night Live skit that Night at the Roxbury is based on and then not watch the actual movie. I promise you, you'll have a better time. Um, And then also, while we are in a bit of casting, uh, Rick Moranis was also considered to play Neil. What is Dick Moranis? Nick? Rick? Dick Dick Moranis. What is Rick Moranis from? Are you fucking kidding me? The name rings a bell, and I legitimately can't put a name to the face. Uh, Rick Moranis, uh, Darth Helmet in Spaceballs. Uh, Oh, okay. 
Okay. All right. Now, now I now I got it. It's like a George Costanza type. Um, I guess uh, he was also Seymour in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's all coming back to me now. Boomerang. It's all coming back to you. Okay, Boomer. Ah uh, yes. Here we go. We're do- this is the pop culture plug that we needed. <laughs> All right. Hashtag okay, boomer. Hashtag okay, boomer. Speaking of boomers, um, I think that Frank Synopsis should give us a synopsis. Ah, yeah. It's about that time of year again. Uh, It's just going to slide right in here, right next to you. Don't mind my hands. They're uh, probably cold. It's uh, November, and it's uh, New York. Okay, Frank. Um... Tell me about planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, I've been on a lot of them. Uh, I've been on a lot of trains. I've been on a lot of planes. I've been on a lot of automobiles, too. I like to keep it real cold in there. It's uh, harder to feel my hands. Um, I I can definitely feel your hands, Mr. Sinatra. I mean, Mr. Synopsis. Um, can you tell me about the movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? I think you were alive for this. Of course I can. Um, and I was alive for most of that. Uh, not all of it, though. Just most of it. Uh, There's that few minutes there where the paramedics had to revive me in the movie theater where I was smoking crack. Oh, with John Candy? The same. Okay. Please tell me about the movie. (laughs) (laughs) We've fucking ruined this whole episode. (laughs) All right, so we're seriously going to do synopsis now. Okay. Mark and executive Neil Page is trying to make a flight at 6 o'clock from JFK to O'Hare for Thanksgiving festivities back home. A stolen cab and a delayed flight leads Neil to the economy class seat next to none other than the man who stole his cab, Dale Griffith. Flight diversions, crappy motels, broken down buses, and many other inconveniences befall the unlikely traveling companions as they desperately try to reach their final destination, Chicago. Though they can't stand each other at first, the two put their heads together and overcome obstacles in their path and become friends despite their differences. Sweet home, Chicago. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, let's 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 talk about this uh, some scenes here real quick. Okay, okay. So just like most other movies, it seems, especially around the holiday season, um, it opens on a shot of New York City, high rises. Uh, Neil Page finds himself in a late running board meeting. Uh, there's some guy sitting behind a desk, looking at some papers. They're all just waiting around to see what he he he, he thinks like what 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 he thinks of it. I don't know. Oh, why, why are board meetings in movies always running late? Like, you never see the start of a board meeting or, like, an interesting board meeting going on. It's always boring as shit, and there's always nothing going on. Uh, like, it's actually, always inconsequential. I'm going to contradict what you said there and say that the one scene from Elf where Walter Hobbs is supposed to pitch the idea to the publishing company executives, you see the beginning of the movie, and that's where Buddy says that there's a... No, is it Buddy? No, Michael says there's a problem, and Buddy's literally trying to fucking kill himself. I mean, but the part before that is boring. If you think about the plot of Elf, it's (laughs) a really depressing movie. (laughs) When you start that movie... If you're watching that movie for the first time, you definitely don't think it's going to have a uh, third act climax of Buddy trying to kill himself. But literally, Will Ferrell standing on what I can only assume is like the George Washington Bridge or whatever the fuck that thing's called. Uh, or the Brooklyn Bridge, possibly. But yeah, was literally just contemplating suicide after getting rejected by his biological father for like the 18th time in the past week. <laughs> Well, we can talk about Elf another day, but let's let's talk about this movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We're trying um, to take Thanksgiving. We're trying to t- put Christmas in Thanksgiving again. We are. Um, 
Let's move on. I'm, I'm going to okay. try this time. Okay, finally for that meeting, uh, Neil actually is trying to make it to the airport despite all the hustle and bustle, what's going on. He can't get a cab. He finds a guy with a cab. He says he's going to pay him for the cab. The guy was a dick. He's like, yeah, you got to give me like $70 for this cab. Which is just a dick move, but also like you're in New York and you're like, I'll give you money for this cab. It's like, well, how much is it worth to you then? <sighs> yeah, it's like you just keep rolling like, like fives on a d20 in a game of Dungeons and Dragons, and you just cannot convince the NPC to give you the cab. And eventually it's just like, look, man, you're going to have to give me more money. That's when you pull out your short sword and you stab him in the stomach and take his gold. Uh, you can do that, but it's also 1987 New York. so you're That sounds definitely... like the perfect place to stab a man and take his gold. But you're starting an unnecessary gang fight. <sighs> I mean, yeah, but... Uh... Rudy Giuliani has not come. (laughs) The wizard cannot always get you out of all situations. Especially because a wizard only shows up when he is needed. This is the perfect time for him to be needed. And the wizard is also another 80s movie, which is way better than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Are you... Okay, no. I'm drawing a line. We're way off base again, but I'm going to draw a line here. You cannot say that an hour and 30 minute fucking ad... For the Power Glove is better than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I refuse to believe that you believe that and you're saying it to shitpost right now. I am? Because I can. Uh, Okay, if that's what you say. Anyway, so after buying... (laughs) Let's just get back into the movie. After buying his way into the cab, another guy hops in and gets away. Um, this spoiler alert is Del Griffith. Um, the our other leading person, John Candy. Um, a s- interesting bit of information I found that I didn't notice. Um, Del's name on his trunk that you can see coming out of the cab says Del O. Griffith on it, which means his initials are dog. Hmm. And five months before the release of this movie, John Candy was in a movie called Spaceballs, which we've talked about before, playing a character named Barf, who is a half-man, half-dog. Huh. It's it's an entirely a coincidence, but I love movie coincidences. So it, it's truly just a coincidence, then, like, they didn't know about it at the time? Like, wh- when did someone point this out? Do you think someone watching the movie for the first time pointed that out? No, someone probably just kind of noticed it and thought it was interesting and then threw it up on IMDb. Huh. Well, I guess like, that's how we get half of our movie trivia, right? Correct. And I, I don't think that... I don't think it was necessarily intentional, but it could have been. I mean, that movie came out five months before this movie. Hmm. Uh, that's close enough. I mean, he was probably working on them at the same time. Well, no, he couldn't have been. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Anyway, let's go on. Okay, so uh, Neil does make it to the airport. Flight's delayed. So you'd think, like, uh, he is going to get on the flight. It doesn't matter how late he's running now because he'll be able to get on when it goes. Uh, he kind of does. Uh, Del Griffith is waiting for him there. They're sitting around waiting for it. He keeps offering to buy him a hot dog, buy him some snacks, buy him some chips, buy him a crack pipe so he can smoke it in the back of the movie theater. I don't know what exactly <laughs> Del Griffith is going to give him. But, I mean, he, he keeps saying, no, no, that's not necessary. That's not that's not something you got to do. Um And then when they finally get on the plane, he's sitting next to him. Right, and it's just like, he can't get away from this guy. Yeah, uh, the flight diverts away from Chicago to Wichita, Kansas, and... um, Because of the snow. Yeah, uh, that's surprise. Surprise, it's snowing in Chicago in November. 
Also, John, this one's for you. Uh, the exterior shot of the flight in the snow was reused from Airplane. Wow. Um, I do love me some Airplane. I remember you showed me that movie. This is one of the few ones you showed me in middle school. Hey, that's kind of shocking to me because that one is like a classic. It, it is a classic. It's a, it's a great send-up movie. What does that even mean? Send-up? Like yeah. a parody. Okay, okay, I see. So it's like airplane movie, whereas now we have like scary movie. Correct. Okay, okay, I, I see what you mean there. Uh, so they get there, flight's not taken off, can't find a hotel room. Dell offers to share his with Neil, and he agrees. They take Bobby's Taxiola, which is by far the coolest like rideshare thing I've ever seen. A rideshare is such a new term. It's a taxi. It's a taxi. Right. It, it's ridesharing is just a new term they put on it because it's not technically a taxi service. It's technically a. Hmm. I, it's. Hmm. I guess what you would call it technically is a courier the, service the, where you're carrying people they arrive at the braidwood inn Dell knows a guy he always seems to know a guy <laughs> you know that guy that always knows a guy who knows a guy that's this guy that's this guy the guy that i know <laughs> um so when they get into the hotel the the movie that's playing on the tv is she's having a baby and um what's interesting about that is that that movie had not actually been released yet both Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, and She's Having a Baby feature Kevin Bacon and John Candy in them. Huh. That's funny. And uh, Kevin Bacon cameos in this movie, and John Candy cameos in She's Having a Baby. So it's a Candy Bacon movie. It's it's actually Candy Baconception. Candy Baconception. Candy Baconception. So is that where you have, like, Candy Bacon, which is like an Airheads Extreme Candy Bacon that you fry in a pan with maple syrup to make Candy Bacon with the Candy Bacon? I cannot believe you're doing this. This is like Flamin' Hot Cheeto, Cheddar, Turkey, all over again. No, this is way better. <laughs> this, this might actually work. Candy, bacon, airheads. Disgusting. <laughs> Antics ensue as Neil tries to cope with his new eccentric roommate, and we learn more about Dell, his acceptance of himself. Yeah, I thought that this was... um. This didn't feel forced at all. This was truly, like, a, a well-put-together character feature of Dell, I think. And I think John Candy really sold this really well. Um, I think his acting, by and large, is quite good. But I think this one is, is a really good example of it where, yeah, he, this is clearly not the first time someone's told him something like this about himself. The, you know, the character Dell being... And I, I feel it. I feel like, yeah, this is part of my life. I learned to accept myself. I don't care that you're being mean to me right now. Even though he is kind of a ridiculous character, he's self-aware of that, and he wears it almost like a badge of honor or like an armor so people can't use it against him. Right, and, you know, that that's something that, like, um, I'm I'm just going to come, I'm just going to be point blank about this, like, I'm a fat guy. And th that's normally, like, a thing that, like, people who are larger most of their life do because people are always going to make fun of you for the way you look or the things you say because you just people see you as inferior sometimes unfortunately and so you do kind of get this armor about it where it's like it doesn't bother me and huh. so i i really related to that in this film and i, I always guess, have i guess that kind of stayed in the movie for me until you brought it up like that yeah i mean it 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 just it is it's a thing like you have to have like some sort of armor like me i always use like humor to like you know push distance myself from that image hmm. and but you know sometimes that that's not enough for people. 
Why, why, why do people hate fat people? I don't get it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All I can say is I want candy. <laughs> you want candy. Okay. You yeah. want to become one of us. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, a thief breaks into the room. I guess if you're staying at a seedy motel, it kind of happens sometimes. I guess it's the 80s. I, I don't know. Like, do people break into hotel rooms all the time? Is that a thing? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know why you would. People typically don't carry, like, super important things when they're in a hotel. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, at the very least, if they did want to report it, I mean, they're not going to be there for a long time. So it's not like they can stick around. Right. And then you have to file a police report in another state. They're not going to care as much because you're from another state or you're from another county. So they're not going to care as much. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Either way, they don't get the money back. They go to a diner and they don't have any cash left. So they start using credit cards for stuff. This is where things get kind of hairy. But uh, the accusations get put to rest at like, I don't know, Dell was stealing from Neil. Right, because he he views Dell as like a lower class citizen almost. Right. And so he assumes that like, oh, probably would steal my money. Maybe this was his plan the whole time. You know what? You can never trust a man that puts his dirty socks in the sink. You know what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna level with you there. Yeah. I think yeah. that I think that, that you could draw a line there. Like who does that? Put him back in your suitcase like a normal person. Literally do anything but that. Right. But then again, I guess the things we learn about uh, Dell as we go up throughout the movie probably needed to do that. Probably needed to wash him a little bit. I mean, I guess so. But uh, you know what? This is all plot point. A, a minuscule plot point. Correct. So they start their journey by train. So we've gone from planes to trains now. I wonder and... what they're going to do next. Oh, I do. who the fuck knows? I... <laughs> so there are no train tickets available together. They go separately on the same train, but they, you think that this is going to be where they kind of split up. Plot twist, it's not. Uh, the train breaks down in like the middle of a field, and they have to walk to the bus station? Which is just, you know, this is also where uh, Steve Martin almost gets uh, run over again. Uh, yeah, always. Always, just in this movie, for whatever reason, just cheating death. He's got nine lives. Um, also, if they get on a bus, why is it not called planes, trains, buses, and automobiles? Because a bus is a type of automobile. Is it? Yeah, of course. I I'm more interested to know why fucking walking isn't a part of the title. I guess, I guess because that's not as interesting. Uh, just planes, trains, fucking walking, and automobiles. Well, think about it. Uh, the Lord of the Rings movies involve a lot of walking, and it's not called Lord of the Walking. Yeah, but there's a lot more walking than rings. True. That's what I'm saying. You should just call the Sonic movie that's coming out Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that would be a better title than Sonic the Hedgehog. Also, I'm going to be interested to see how they're going to redo the character. I, <laughs> after what they have done, I have no idea. Uh, okay, this is, an, this is an old moot point, but what did anybody expect out of a Sonic the Hedgehog movie? They could have made it animated, like I, I, the whole movie. No, I mean, why would they do that? It has to be horrible. Sonic the Hedgehog is a horrible property. This has to be horrible. I'm honestly appalled that they changed it. That they let people bully them into making a new design. I mean, there was a clear way to save this movie, and they just totally missed the ball on it. They could have gotten Gary Busey to play Dr. Robotnik. I think Jim Carrey is going to be a great Dr. Robotnik in a movie that I'm not going to watch. All right, but if you're going to bring all of this into the real world and it's going to be like a mix, like CGI, like live action movie, 
then you need to make Dr. Robotnik more scary. And, like, even in The Mask, Jim Carrey was, like, not that scary. Because he's not supposed to be. But, like, what? how is this going to be different? He's a villain. I would rather see Gary Busey be like, oh, What do you, you want to fight me? And just start, like, shoving Sonic. <laughs> just start just start hitting him with whatever's around him. Yeah, becomes very R-rated. Lots of Sonic blood. We have to move on. Okay, so um, they're walking to the bus station. They get on a bus. They're... They... I guess Dell's been on buses a lot before, but, like, Neil, maybe not so much. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's some people making out. There's a bunch of, like, screaming children and, like, stuff he's probably not used to seeing in first-class airplanes. Right. He's not used to any of this happening. And then, um... So he decides to get a... They decide to split up again, and Neil tries to rent a car. Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully because the car is not there for whatever reason. You know, I don't know if this is just like a Neil character flaw thing or what, but if you're this close to getting the car, why flip out now? Right. Like, what do you mean? Like, he goes up to the desk... And he, like, drops the F-bomb, like, 18 times, and... Literally 18 times in 60 seconds. That's, like, one every three seconds on average. And it's amazing. It is the only reason this movie is rated R. Let's talk about this scene. Did you find it funny? Um, I found this stressful to watch, because, like, because... Like other movies of this time period, yes, it's entertaining, but it is also, like, stressful to watch. It's not cringy. Like, nowadays, when I watch a movie that would be like this, it would be cringy. That wasn't cringy what they were doing. It was just stressful. So, no, I didn't really... Yeah, it was funny. (laughs) I I guess, because Steve Martin is kind of an intense character in this movie anyway, so, like... I didn't need him to drop the F-bomb 18 times in a minute to feel the intensity. <laughs> I, I've i always enjoyed this scene because it makes my parents incredibly uncomfortable to watch it with me. Oh my god, this is this and not the part where John Candy's smoking crack in a movie theater? Um, we don't own the 3 hour and 40 minute version, John. <laughs> if we did, though. If we did, we would leak it immediately. Anyway, Neil... Um, almost gets run over again after leaving, after unsuccessfully getting a new car. Why did he throw the rental agreement away? Because he's an idiot, and because this movie wouldn't be able to happen. None of this movie should be happening. He should have just waited for the fucking plane to come back. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he should have. (laughs) He didn't have to hurry along the meeting at all. I mean, he wanted to get home for the Thanksgiving pageant, and, like, I get it, like, your kid's in a thing, you want to see it, but, like, who cares about Thanksgiving? Nobody cares about Thanksgiving, that's what this whole episode is about. We've literally avoided talking about this movie because we hate Thanksgiving so much. Well, you know what, here we are, and um, I'm not going to talk about smoking crack anymore. Okay. Um. Anyway, let's just skip ahead a little bit. Uh, Dell almost hits Neil with the car. Neil gets in the car with... Dell, uh, against his better judgment, I guess. Up with what choices he have at that point. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, this guy's going to the same place I am, so I guess that's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so they take turns driving. Neil goes to sleep, and Dell is having a little too much fun listening to Ray Charles, as you do. Right. And uh, accidentally lights the car on fire with a 
lit cigarette. But there's a lot that happens between that and the car actually catching on fire. So, like, he is driving down the road, he puts a cigarette out, it flies back in the back window, and it sits smoldering in the back seat. Okay, yeah, you see smoke coming out of the back seat the whole time, so, like, you know what's coming. And then he, like, I guess hits a patch of ice or something, and just starts spinning out of control. And fun fact, um, Roman White, director of Carrie Underwood's Jesus Take the Wheel music video, originally wanted to use this, but the studio didn't want people to confuse John Candy with Jesus. It, is this true? Um, yeah, it's just complications of like having a public image of a white Jesus. Uh, I'm making all of this up. None of this is true. Okay, Jesus Christ. It's, it, it, I, I was like, why do you know the director's name of the Jesus Take the Wheel video? Don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to, first off. And second off, it fits so well. <laughs> Think about it. John Candy's driving. He's got a lot on his mind. He's going too fast. And then he hits a patch of ice. And then he's just like, ah! And then Steve Martin's still asleep the whole time. Jesus Take the Wheel. And then it catches on fire. Yeah, Is that God's wrath? Um, or does the yeah. fire represent God's love? Um. I think in this case, it's more of a purifying thing. Uh, I don't really know. I'm not going to try to get too deep on this. All I'm going to say is that that burning car should be on the Chicago Tourism website. Oh, for sure. Yeah, of course. Come see our burning car, Chicago. (laughs) Jesus. Speaking of this car burning up, um, they still are able to drive it somehow. Yeah. (laughs) And they take it to a hotel where instead of paying for it with, you know, cash, because it's a cash-only hotel, he gives him his watch, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just such a weird flex. You know, if I were in that situation and they, I could make some kind of deal with somebody, like, all right, I'd do that. I mean, if I was the guy on the other side of the booth, I'd be like, yeah, this guy's got a nice watch. Yeah, he wants a room. Maybe I'll just pay for the room and take the watch. I don't know. Maybe that's how this is working. It's not something that you really see someone try to do today. No, because what would you give them, an Apple Watch? And even that, like, they're not that expensive. Like, it wouldn't be – I mean, watches are still expensive, and from what I understand, they're making a comeback. Uh, they are. They're almost like luxury items now. Like, long gone are the days of, like, hey, I need a real cheap watch because uh, I have to have a watch and I don't want to spend a lot of money on one. Now it's like everyone's got a phone. So you don't need a watch. If you have a watch, it's because you wanted one. Right. And I just, even in the days before I had a cell phone, I didn't have a watch. Like, I didn't really see a point. Like, because anywhere I went, there was usually a clock, and if there wasn't a clock, then it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm fucked. Uh, The the past is so interesting. Right, and also, I I only got, like, 20 bucks, like, every two months for an allowance, so I was like, I'm 100, I'm not spending, like, the $12 on this Casio watch like I should. No, why do that when you can buy more Lemon Demon albums? (laughs) Why do that when I can start my dvd collection that is now overflowing my apartment yeah it's taking over your life a little bit i'm gonna like call the hoarders people and have them go to your place don't you dare take away my movies i'm not taking them away they're just gonna make you burn all of the dvds to a hard drive but what what's the point of having them then john there's no point in having them then we are way off base yes we are so yeah they're driving the still hot car around it's like steaming <laughs> they get to the motel he trades the watch he goes in Dell is outside he sees there's two beds in the hotel but he doesn't just give one to him immediately he makes him wait a little while and i get it you're mad at him he basically stole your credit card and got a car and burned it okay i'd be mad too 
Right, and you know he didn't get the insurance on it, because if you get the insurance on it, it doesn't matter. I guess not, but uh, a burning car is a bad day. A burning car is a bad day. It's also a very poor investment. Yeah, don't buy a burning car. (laughs) Don't buy a car and then immediately burn it. But he ends up letting him in, the big softy. Ah, yeah, and then they just kind of share some uh, little mini bottles of liquor, which brings me to this week's cocktail, Zach. Ooh, are, is this going to be a uh, a mini-fridge cocktail? It actually kind of is. Uh, that's actually where I got the inspiration for this cocktail, because I watched the movie and I was like, well, the only thing they're really drinking in the movie is these little bottles of liquor. So I went to my bar and I actually happened to have a few small bottles there, and I was like, what holiday cocktail could I make with mini-bottles? So I looked around and it's like, I got some cinnamon whiskey, that's what I'm starting with, and then I got some other ingredients together, and before you know it, I've got a cocktail that I have deemed the Christmas in November Ooh. Yeah. Mm, this is actually a hot cocktail. Not something that I'm, like, super keen on, necessarily. Like, the only hot cocktail I'm ever really into is, like, Irish coffee. Irish coffee's pretty great. And you've made it for me a couple of times after a couple long nights. Yeah, of course. You just pour a bunch of Kahlua in a mug, microwave it, and pour Baileys in it. Which is great. Don't, don't do that. Use actual coffee. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Here's how you make this coffee. Uh, Coffee? This is how you make this cocktail. All right. So you're going to take a bottle of apple cider, hard apple cider. Um, It's better to use like a cinnamon apple cider, but if you just have a regular apple cider, that's fine too. I wouldn't really recommend using like one of the rosé types or like a sour apple. Just just stick with the regular stuff for the cinnamon. You're going to take this and you're going to put it in like a small pot or a saucepan or something, and you're going to heat it up on your stove. Now, Cool thing about this is most commercially available hard ciders are made with pectin. And this is actually what allows it to clear out. Because if you look at like a natural apple cider, it's not clear. It's really, really Mm -hmm. foggy and cloudy. If you get like a homemade apple cider, like a hard cider, um, it's also going to be cloudy. Unless you use something like pectin which or like gelatin or something like that, which is going to help clear up the uh, the drink. Huh. Yeah. So what... Yeah, when you put this on the stove and you start heating it up, it's actually going to make like a real thick head on the top of the cider as it heats up. So it's like, uh, in this case, it's, it's going to be kind of pink because you add cranberry juice. You take two ounces of cranberry juice, get the real stuff, get the bitter stuff. Don't get like the, the ocean spray juice cocktail, you know, get, get the good stuff and put it in there. Let it heat up together. It's going to get that nice pink frothy head on it. This is where things get interesting. Get yourself your mug. Uh, I have like a little like clear tea mug that worked out really well just because you know it's a cocktail glass you want to look at the color it's actually got a really nice color to it um and you're going to rim that with simple syrup then you're going to make a mixture here you're going to make something to rim the glass with it's going to be like brown sugar uh some ground cinnamon some nutmeg and a little bit of cardamom and you're going to mix that all together with a spoon then you're going to take the glass that you rim with simple syrup and run it through the uh spice and sugar mix so now you have like a cinnamon spice rim on your cocktail glass Mm. Then you're going to take a half ounce of cinnamon whiskey straight off your bar, straight from the mini bottle, and you're going to pour it in the bottom of the glass and pour in the hot cider cranberry juice mixture over the top. That sounds amazing. It was pretty damn good, not going to lie. I Again, not someone who normally gets into hot cocktails, but this one made a lot of sense and I had a lot of fun making it. Um, highly recommend this one, especially if you're into like cool holiday stuff uh this this is definitely going to take you back to the 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 fireplace at christmas eve and even though it's a couple months away and then when you eat when you taste the rim it's like "Mm, pumpkin pie yeah pretty much amazing great job this week john 
Well, thanks. Uh, you know, we'll post pictures and all that fun stuff up. Zach's not going to drink it because he never does. Hey, I just moved into this place, man. I got to get my bar set up. All right. Well, you know, by Christmas time, you're going to need it and want it. Oh, I, I'm sure I will. Anyway, let's finish up this damn movie. All right, cool. So they get pulled over in their burnt car going down the highway toward Chicago. Uh, the car gets impounded, and even Dell's like, charisma can't save them from the unroadworthiness of the car in the eyes of the police officer. Which, fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- there, there is no scenario where they should be allowed to do this. No, absolutely not. Uh, they end up hitching a ride in the back of a dairy truck and finishing the last leg of the journey into Chicago where they get to the train station, which is going to take them more or less straight to Neil's house, or it's at least going to take Neil to his house. This is where they part ways. But Neil doesn't feel quite right about this. Right. He's grown an attachment to Dell. Like, they, they have truly become friends along this way. Like... He learned a little bit about, like, you know, kind of like how the other half lives and, like, you know, all this other stuff. And he can kind of tell that Dell's going nowhere now. Yeah, he never really had a reason for going to Chicago in the first place, am I right? Yeah, like, he said he's from Chicago and, like, his uh, trunk said Chicago on it. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing, like, he might not have kids. He might not really have a family. and Maybe his parents have passed. Yeah, well, that's what they were talking about at the end of the movie was that, like, his wife has been dead for eight years because he's been talking about his wife the whole time. I guess he just kind of assumed he had a wife, but his wife's not around. He just is talking about her because he misses her. Right, and, like, I mean, I I get that completely. Like, it's, you know, that's that's a devastating thing, especially when someone, you know, like, you're that close with dies really young. Mm-hmm. And it's Be- just kind of tragic for him being, like, such a nice guy and so easy to make friends. But at the same time, I mean, not having that person in your life anymore, it, it, he probably didn't deserve to have that. Right. And it's just, it, it's it's a really, like, it t- it's touching. Like, you truly see, like, you know, the facade in uh, Neil's character just wash away. Like, mm-hmm. he, he truly understands another human being for once in his fucking life. Yeah, and I never even really pegged Neil as a bad guy. He just doesn't handle stress very well, it seems. He, not at all. He, he keeps almost getting run over, which I can understand how that would stress someone out. Yeah, definitely. It's like a cat. He just doesn't travel very well. Cats don't travel from one room to another very well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I got, like, two of these things running around my house. <laughs> also... Interestingly enough, um, I didn't see anything on here or see if this was connected in any way, but this is also how the mom in Home Alone gets back to the house. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And John Candy is also in the back of that truck in Home Alone. So I'm wondering if it's supposed to be connected. Uh, It takes place in Chicago. No, wait, 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 wait. Does it take place in Chicago? I I think it does. I know the third one does, because the third one is the most underrated Home Alone movie. Um, underrated for a reason. How is it underrated for a reason? Doesn't that defeat the purpose of being underrated? Um, I just... Well, I guess I meant I'm not a huge fan of the third Home Alone movie. Of course you're not. You probably like the fourth one, don't you? Where it's basically just Amazon Alexa run amok. Um, I think you're thinking of the Child's Play remake, and no. Um, I prefer the first two. I, I prefer the first one to the second one. But the second one also has Tim Curry and non-weird Rob Schneider in it, so I kind of dig that one. Are you, oh, you're talking about the Lost in New York one? Yes. Uh, featuring your boy Donald Trump. Featuring your boy at real Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> Don't anyway. tag the podcast with the real Donald Trump. 
Please, we we this is a non-maga podcast. We hate you people. Um, we're just gonna get that out of the way now. Anyway, your um, word, not mine. <laughs> we hate you. Anyway, um, so I, I, you guys can guess what happens if you've seen this movie. Neil takes Dell back to his house. He meets the family. Um, a really horrible fucking eighty song plays, and then it's over. That was the worst song in the movie by far. Like, why did there have to be words? Like, I. Like my, I think I had an aneurysm while the song was playing because I could not. I don't even remember what it said. It was probably something like "You're home after traveling, and now this guy's here." Like it, it was very on the nose and like obviously written for the film, and it was disgusting. Hey, yeah, I really like those lyrics that you were putting out there. That was uh, some real hot stuff, um, Mister Synopsis. I, you are not obliging my restraining order i've put against you please do not put your cold clammy ass hands on me again I'm on my hands they're you, cold I, I i know they're cold please get them away from me people have often described them as doctor hands and that's often what i tell people my name is doctor hands i hope you guys enjoy your thanksgiving i hope you enjoyed this episode i have to go to court now to get frank synopsis away from me for good all right guys have a fun happy thanksgiving uh spend time with your family if your wife's been dead for eight years i'm sorry um find a new family (laughs) on a train or a plane or in an automobile um yes just be charismatic i guess that's the key to everything in life definitely um well until next time uh i'm john and i'm zach Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, It's almost Christmas. What if someone listening actually has had their wife dead for like the last however many years and you just told them to find a new family? (laughs) They probably should find a new family. (laughs) (laughs) That's the plot of the movie is that... What if it was the love of their life and they don't want to find a new family? That's, again, the plot of the movie. They, they he doesn't want to find a new family but he does he does find a new family right because people just think he's weird and he is kind of weird but he's also lovable marketing executive neil page is trying to make a six o'clock fright home uh, i'm pretty sure i said six o'clock so i'm gonna start over um it always happens in the synopsis for some reason okay we've fucking ruined this whole episode <laughs> okay